Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Mr. Bill Holtzen, uh, over a 30-year educator, uh, the creator of the Bill Holtzen Voice of Experience Teaching Seminar, and the author of seven books. He's down in Tallahassee, Florida, has also spent some time in Georgia, and we're here today to talk about um, what's going on with the world. But before we get started, I want to make sure that you go to TreyGimmons.com and find your copy of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School. It's a perfect time to get it because now not many folks are in school, and it's a good read to continue keeping students engaged and motivated uh, to work on those SEL skills. But without further ado, let's get into our conversation with Mr. Holtzen. And Bill, you're, you're very big on your experience. And so when I hear that, I can only imagine the wealth of knowledge and information that you have through your experience in education. Why is it so important for you to share all this information with us? Well, like I said, I've been teaching for almost 40 years now. And um, a lot of where I have taught is in economically depressed areas. And there is a lot of important information that parents need, especially today, because we got millions and millions of kids out of school and they're with their parents. Yeah. And um, a lot of parents aren't necessarily trained to be the kid's teacher. Mm -hmm. So now here you go. So um, I've got some information I think would help everybody. It it, it has helped me. It took me a a while to figure a lot of this stuff out. Yeah. But um, when I talk to parents, the main thing is, you know, the first four years of life are the most important for brain development. This is before they go to school. And any parent can be a good teacher, but they need to understand certain things, and they can build that child at the house so that later on at the school, um, that child can succeed. Mm. Um Now, I've got two degrees. One of them is early childhood ed. I've taught everything from three-year-olds and ran a pre-K center all the way to high school, vocational schools. My other degree is in exceptional ed, which is kids with learning disabilities. And let's say I had a 15-year-old, and he was reading on like a kindergarten or first grade level. Okay. I I got to figure out why. Hmm. See, and it could be one of two things. It could be brain function type of thing that that, um, um, there's an organic reason why he's not necessarily reading on level, or it could be an experience thing that he has never been read to and never read. Mm. And and so I'm going to back up real quick to birth the four. There's a book called Meaningful Differences. And it's the largest study of language acquisition in America. These people went into thousands of homes. And they spent four years inside in, in each home. Hmm. And this is what they found. And this has profound impl- uh, implications for teachers and parents. And you can explain the entire book with one picture. So imagine you draw a V on the side so you you got a v 
and then you tilt the V up just a little bit so that one side is going up to both sides are going up but but one side of the V is going way up and the other side of the, of the V is going um, you know not not so straight up right and so the, and then if you drew a line in the middle you'd have like three lines so they did this study and they found that nothing makes any difference race gender religion nothing in the development of, of kids what made the difference was wealth hmm. and the upper line these children because wealth often comes from families that are college educated yeah so this upper line these children have heard hundreds and hundreds of thousands more variety words mm-hmm. uh, I mean quantity right. and they've heard thousands and thousands of more variety almost all of it positive now you go to the middle class that's in the middle and then you go to the um, families that are struggling um, economically and a lot of them are single parent families and I've, I've been there done that my own self um, but what happens is lots of times these children hear hundreds of thousands of words less quantity thousands of words less variety and a lot of it is negative like sit down and shut up is Mm -hmm. not a conversation right and so but the lesson to be learned from this is if you look the bottom line is still going up but if you'll notice that v is a v shape so the gap between these two children goes on forever Mm mm-hmm and so the children that are struggling in school, lots of them may just have not had the experience background. Yeah. And so te- teachers got to backfill that. Yeah. Um, and so if it's not an organic thing, I found out that I taught 15, 16, 17 years, I could not read very well. But once we just started reading, pick a book they want to read, and we read every day. Well, you know what? They started picking it up quickly. Yeah. Um, it, so the other thing to learn is the window of opportunity does not stay open. It is always closing. If you dropped an infant off in the middle of Tibet and you dropped me off in the middle of Tibet <laughs> and came back three years later. They're going to do much better. That infant can tell you his entire life story in perfect Tibetan language, and I'd still be trying to figure out how to say, where's my lost luggage? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So early experiences are huge. So parents, if you've got your kids at home, I don't care how they are, reading, 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 reading. I did, and so Bill, I did find the chart here too, because I've heard pieces of that, but I haven't heard it said the way that you just did here. I found a chart, the book, is it called Meaningful Differences in the Everyday Experience of Young American Children by Betty Hart and Todd Todd Risley. And I see a a chart here that says the achievement gap starts early. Um, By the time children are 36 months old, that's two and a half. Children in welfare here, 525 words, or that's their vocabulary. Um, Children in working class families, 749 words. Wealthy children, 
in um, 1116 words in professional families. How do you feel like this shows up in the, you've worked at every level, K through 12. How do you feel like this shows up in the classroom and even beyond the classroom? Okay, what, what happens is this. Like I said, I've taught all ages. And a lot of my teaching has been with teenagers with learning disabilities. Um, and so what you got is this. Let's say you're taking a 15-year-old and they can't read very well. Now, what's running through my mind is, as this child spent a bunch of years just being plopped in front of a TV, or if they've been read to in this and that, if there's something wrong, that, that his brain is not processing this stuff properly. And what I found is, as the older the child gets, and this is one of the rules in one of my books, you, you, the worse a child is doing academically, the more pleasant the academics need to be. Mm. They need to be fun. They need to be enjoyable. The child does not need to feel pressure. See, states are crazy. They're saying these kids should be on this reading level, and then they pressure, pressure, pressure these kids to get where they're supposed to be. And let me tell you something. A kid that is struggling to learn does not, does not need more pressure. Yeah. And, and kids that are coming from stressed homes economically anyway don't need more stress. And what is going to happen is if you're 15 and you can't read very well, Okay, what's going through your head? And all children, nobody wants to be powerless. And so it's important that they think that their intellectual ability is their power center. But kids that aren't doing very well and are getting hammered for it, they don't have any faith in their intellectual ability. And so after a while, they start giving up. Mm-hmm. Um like the best gang recruiting tool in the world is an unpleasant school in an unpleasant home. Well, they're going to find some place where they don't feel powerless. So if they don't feel powerful intellectually or the character's the power center, they'll go to the cheap power center, which is physical power. Yeah. Um, and they'll go to it every single time. I found that the worst gang members on this planet basically have that ferocity as an armor to protect them from the fact that they can't read very well, they can't do math very well, they're made fun of, well, you know what, I'll take care of that, and mm-hmm. they put on this this armor. So, one of the main teaching deals is this. I don't care how old the kid is. They can be 3, 4, 18, I don't care. And if you're a parent and you've got kids at home, this is important. You find out their success level. In other words, I'd have a bunch of books, everything from kindergarten to, you know, hard-to-read science textbooks. I'd have mm-hmm. a variety, and I would have kids read to me. And I would find out where they could read smooth yeah, without stumbling over every other word. Okay, well. Same with math. That's their success level. Okay. 
I don't care if the kid's 18. If he's down here in the second grade, well, that's where he is. And so the trick is to find their success level <clears throat> and, build, and build from it and praise and praise and praise and praise. And that way, it's a pleasant experience, and they're not being hammered with the fact that they're behind. Right. So and, and, Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, so why has it been so important for you to work in these underserved or disenfranchised areas and districts for so long? Well, you know, for a while I thought I was being tortured. <laughs> but what I found is, you know what? God puts you where he wants you. Yeah. God puts you where he wants you, and it's your duty to do what you're supposed to do. Mm. And everybody has a different... Some guys are great mechanics. This is what they do. This is what they were born for. They can make your car so that your family can be safe and this and that. It's, and for some reason, I, I don't. this is what I do. Mm-hmm. And, and, and um, what I've also found is that the kids that are academically the worst and behaviorally the worst, they're the ones that need you the most. Mm. I hear that. I hear that for sure. So, and Bill, when you say you're teaching in these kind of areas, it, it makes me think that you're also teaching in a diverse school district or areas. Is that correct? Yeah, about two-thirds of my kids have always been African-American, mm-hmm. and the other third is um, white kids and Hispanic kids. So I'm I'm curious, you know, I've talked to um, several different black male educators about um, how to put culture in the classroom and help that drive instruction. And we talk about sometimes for um, a non-black educator or a white educator like yourself, how do you build your rapport with students and build those relationships for them to trust you in situations where um, maybe not for anything of your own doing, but they just have baggage and bias um, to people that don't look like them? How do you break down that wall and continue to build and love on your students? Well, what I found is the relationship with the student is more important than anything you're teaching. Mm. Because, and it doesn't matter what color they are. What I found is once you develop a certain relationship, you could be green. I mean, it don't make no difference. But the deal is you got to establish that relationship. And in, in some of my videos and books and stuff, I really harp on this. Um, so what I do is a couple things. I don't care if a kid is three. I don't care if a kid is 15. It does not matter to me. From day one, I set up my relationship with that kid. And yeah. basically, the first thing I do is, what do you want to do? What do you <laughs> want to do? I don't care if it's an airplane pilot, basketball player, chemist. Uh, I don't care. Give me something. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to make them give me something. Um, so that I have a positive image in that si- inside that kid's head. I don't know. I don't care what he's acting like. Right. You I put the person know, first. I need to know what is in his head that's positive. And then what I do is let them know that is my entire job to get them there. Mm. I don't. Care, I don't care if they say astronaut. Mm. That's why we're in school. That's why we're together. I'm here to get you there. Wow. So, 
And it's all about where you're coming from. Yeah. See, see, discipline is a tricky business. But if they know that you love them and that you're there for them, they will accept discipline. That's true. Um, now, here's a great little story. Because it, it, it tells you like you. Okay, I, I'm on uh, back fence duty at this um, high school. And it's by their stadium. They're having a football game. And my job is to make sure that young men don't try to jump over this fence and break their legs to save a buck and a half. So, you know, I'm on on the back fence. And a bunch of grandmas and their kids and stuff, everybody's in the bleachers, right? Mm -hmm. So I've got four or five guys that have been drinking heavily on the other side of the fence and they appear to be having a profanity contest. Oh, wow. So I said, gentlemen, do me a favor and tone it down with a profanity. Well, one, you know, the lead drunk goes off on me. Um, so I said, listen, man, I'm not trying to ruin your good time. When my football team stinks it up in my living room, I might use profanity also. <laughs> but we're not in the living room. Mm-hmm. I said, if you, if you look out there, you see a bunch of grandmothers with their kids, and they're trying to enjoy the game, and um, mm-hmm. you're disturbing them. You are the ruckus. And the guy looked at me, and he looked bleary-eyed through that fence at those those kids and then he turned to his buddies and got all teacher on them he goes don't you see those women and children over there what are you doing be quiet (laughs) and then after that we had a perfectly pleasant conversation and it's all about where they perceive you coming from as soon as he understood that I wasn't being a jerk you know what he stopped being a jerk and in the classroom, if that kid knows where you're coming from, I do what's called positive discipline. So let's say I know that Susie wants to be a police officer. All right. So Susie's doing something wrong in the classroom because she's a kid. Like, you don't expect kids to do stuff. Don't be a teacher. So she's doing something wrong. But... Positive discipline means I go to your self-image. Susie's right out, listen to me, you're going to be a great police officer. You're going to save lives. I mean, I see it. However, baby, we can't have this. Mm -hmm. And, And what it does is it allows the discipline. You're not attacking the child. See, yelling at a child, anger pushes children away from you. Disappointment will pull them right to you. Pull them right to you. And I try to train young teachers. If you're yelling in the classroom, you're not yelling at one child now. Yeah. They can all hear it. Well, and and they all feel it. Mm. Mm. But if you are praising a child or something like that, um... They also feel that. So, can I tell you one more story? Please do. 
and I don't, I don't want to blow your time here. But no, this but, is this is about. I mean, so Bill, but I want to hear about your journey and your experience through education. So that's exactly what you're sharing, and this floor is yours, sir. Please share all of the tidbits and knowledge you have. Okay, you're gonna love this one, and this taught me. This taught me a lot. Sometimes God talks to you um, when you least expect. All right, so I'm teaching at this vocational school. And I've got teenagers, um, special ed teenagers, so I, I, I'm, I'm teaching the academics and training them for a job. Mm-hmm. So one day, this girl comes up, we'll call her Sharita, and I don't know what happened at the house, but she was on fire. Yeah. Now, now you got a family program, so I will not use profanity. Um, but she comes up the heck with you Mr. Hudson I'm not doing any work today Mm. I'm not I said baby sit down do your work you're going to be a nurse you know the heck with you and then I had some gay members on the side and they're telling Sarita sit down and listen to the man what's the matter with you so she goes the heck with you okay okay I said baby you're going to have lives in your hand. You've you mm. got to get this material down mm. here now. Do I need to call your mom? The heck with my mom? Yeah, okay then. We're going <laughs> there. Okay. So I pick up the phone and I call mom. <clears throat> and one of the main things I do is I know mom and I know dad. I give them lots of positive, positive, positive calls so that I'm bonded with mom and dad as well as the kid. So I'm part of the family. And I threaten to show up at the dinner table if I need to. And that works miracles sometimes. Hard to be a thug when, when the teacher's sitting mm. at your dinner table. Mm. All right, so, so I get mom on the phone. This is Johnson. And mom's a nurse also. And something came over me. I have no idea what it was. I said, Mrs. Johnson, let me tell you something. I got your daughter Sharita here. She's one of the most intelligent, bright young ladies I've ever seen. I think she's going to make a great nurse, and she's going to save lives. You can be very proud of your daughter. You have a blessed day. Mm. Mm. Now, Sharita's staring at me, and her eyes are bulging out of her head. And I had her in a box, and even the gang members knew I had this girl in a box. So I looked at her, I said, baby, this is what we're going to do. You can sit down and do your work, and we're going to leave it this way because you've got a really proud mom on the phone. She's mm-hmm. proud of you. Or you can carry on and keep doing this. Wow. And I'll just call back and say that I've been drinking all day and I called the wrong mom. <laughs> so which one is it going to be? And she looked at me. Okay, Mr. Hudson. And she sat down. Did her work. Wow. From that from that day on, I never did a bad phone call again. It's wow. Worthless. It is worthless because these families that got kids with behavior problems, they're drowning anyway. Wow. And bad phone calls from the school just put too much water in their boat. They won't even answer the phone. They pretend like they don't even have mm. a phone. <laughs> so back to the classroom and praise so what I started doing is 
I would call in the middle of the class. And I don't care how old the kids are. It's magic. I would pick one that's doing a good job, call mom right there in front of everybody. You know what? Jimmy's done a great job today. No, I'm mm. serious. You know, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I've had parents break down over the phone and cry because they've never had a good phone call about their wow. children. So, yeah, Jimmy, he's doing good. He might be that firefighter. You know, good job, good job. Click. Now, what I've done is praised every child in that class. What I've also done is got myself the power of Zeus because the power to praise. Now, that's power. I couldn't go up and down the hallway. I, I was sent to a school one time, and I'm running a little behavior program stuff, and I instituted this type of thing where teachers are supposed to do this. Well, I couldn't go to the cafeteria, the hallway, the bathroom, nothing, but I kid hanging on my leg, Mr. Bill, Mr. Bill, you're going to call my mom? <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I don't know. i got to see how good you're doing. You know, we'll see. The more Christ-like you act, mm. the more power you there we go. accrue to yourself. There we go. Um, and if you're in bad situations, when you've got behavior problems, families are in poverty, academic problems and this and that, anger is not going to get you anywhere. Right. I've seen teachers just, the situation is beyond their control. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I found is if you carry yourself in a certain way that kid knows that you care for him parents know you care for him and you put out praise and love you know what you, you can change any situation I've seen it I've done it yeah now that's that's an amazing story Bill I, I love that so much and I can I can feel it sometimes you know even myself when I've got to call parents sometimes, you know, at some point, it just gets to like, man, the parents just like, okay, what happened this time? Go ahead and tell me. But I could imagine the shock. And I think there was, before we left for all the corona stuff, there was a parent that came in. I just said, hey, you know, I want to tell you that your son's been doing really well. She got worried at first because she thought it was going to be a problem. But, you know, that praise makes a big difference. I like that, Bill. And we're coming, we're coming to... Um, sort of a close, but I definitely want to give you some time to talk about your books. You've written seven books um, over the past few years, and they look very interesting. Rethinking Education, Professor Johnson, Mr. Harrison. Talk to me about these different titles and books you've got, sir. All right. First, what I'm going to talk about real quick is the videos. Okay. Um, because this is what I found. I've written seven books. A lot of people don't read anymore. A lot of people don't have time to read anymore. A lot of single parents are driving themselves crazy trying to stay afloat and teach. So out of these books, I created five teaching videos. These are easy to accessible. They're only about an hour. And what happens is you get stories like what I've been telling. Mm. Um, One of them is directly to parents. Um, one of them is to teachers um, how to create the successful teacher 16 things every teacher should know one of them is insights into, into um, pre-k which is three and four year olds one of them is how to you know insights into teaching special ed 
And one of them is to administrators that really talks about that reward system that I did with the positive phone calls, kids can earn a certificate, this type of thing. But what I'm trying to tell all parents is, you know what, any one of these is good for you Mm. to understand the art of teaching. There's a lot of you guys that now got kids at the house. These are guides meant to show parents how to create a successful kid. I don't care if you got three cents. It does not matter. What matters is you're getting the tools to what to do in your house. You don't have to be rich to be on that upper level. Mm -hmm. You just have to do what happens in these households. A lot of it is reading. A lot of it is you've got to model. It's monkey see, monkey do world. That kid's going to do what you do. Mm -hmm. If you sit around and read a book every day, they think it's normal. So anyhow, what I've got is I got a website. Um, you can get through it two different ways, www.childachievement.com or just simply billhotson.com. Okay. Um, you can pick any of these videos, and if you're stuck at the house with children, you know what? It's like it costs a grand total of $6.95. Hmm. And when I send letters, I'm sending letters to church groups, parent groups, whatever. And what I basically say is, you know, that's less than the cost of what it takes to get a good household paintbrush. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I price them where anybody, money, I, 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 I don't care about money. The point being, people need to hear this stuff. Yeah, and and so you can go get one of these um, videos. I would recommend any one, any any one of them. Dep- it depends how deep you want to go into the teaching process. It's a bunch of stories, just like you and I talk, and I could talk for eight weeks, and I'm hard to shut up. Um, now the books. One of them's called Lessons Learned the Hard Way: Sixteen Things Every Teacher Should Know. And that's pretty much a direct model of also the video. Mm-hmm. The other videos are different from the books. One of my books is Mr. Harrison's Classroom, a documentary, and it's a play. And it was a finalist for the Robert J. Um, Playwriting Excellence Contest up there in wow. uh, Michigan. Wow. And it's, a, it's about, the cover's got a little shabby portable, and that's where I taught for 10 years in the back of this high school teenagers with learning disabilities and it's you know it's funny it's entertaining i mean it's a play um but it's a real window inside that world um professor johnson unhinged well i got hacked off after (laughs) i was disciplined coordinator for our county for a year and I was running around like crazy trying to get things going. And at the end of the year, they let me go because they said they couldn't afford a discipline coordinator. Mm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to write a book. And so the first one I wrote was Professor Johnson on Hinged, Lectures on Teaching and Parenting. And it's a reasonably funny view of the craziness of the teaching business. Okay. Um, so anyhow, you know, they're all up on the website. You can get stuff from Amazon or you can 
Now, now, if you go to the videos, you can even click on them and see a five-minute little clip for free. Mm-hmm. You know, just a preview. And if you like those things, you can hit the share button and just send them to somebody. Mm. Send these trailers out. Um, because I want them in as many homes as possible, especially in this world of the pandemic. Um, that way I get information in the households where it's needed. Yeah, yeah, no, understood. I think that's uh, absolutely excellent, Bill, and exceptional. I, I appreciate the work that you've done so much and, and all that you've shared through your time and teaching, taking the time to work with students that not everybody wants to work with or believes that can learn, and the same with your uh, books and sharing all these information with us. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to talk to more than just myself in this apartment. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad we can have some effective social distancing. <laughs> yeah, it's effective, all right. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I appreciate all that you guys are doing for listening. I am here in South Carolina, Hartsville, South Carolina, that is. That's where we host the Dash Podcast. And I hope to see you next time. Before you, we go, of course, visit me at TreyGammers.com so you can find your copy of Every Decision Counts. And you can visit Bill at BillHolton.com as well. Come back next time, subscribe, and we'll see you soon. This is The Dash.